and, and maybe it may be more equipping perhaps than it is preaching, uh, but there's 156 shots that we get at you in a year's time, and, um, and this is one of them. And so I want to draw your attention uh, to Psalm 119, and I want you to look with me at verse 17. The Bible says, Psalm 119, verse 17, Deal bountifully with thy servant, that I may live and keep thy word. Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. I am a stranger in the earth. Hide not thy commandments from me. My soul breaketh for the longing that it hath unto thy judgments at all times. Thou hast rebuked the proud that are cursed, which do err from thy commandments. Remove from me reproach and contempt, for I have kept thy testimonies. Princes also did sit and speak against me, but thy servant did meditate in thy statutes. Thy testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. And I want to preach to you. And uh, I'm aware of the time, and uh, this is not a 25-minute sermon, uh, but I will uh, bear in mind the clock and... um, Again, I will uh, we'll, we'll kind of pay attention to that. I know some of you don't like for me to say that, but uh, I had to keep up with a, a squirming uh, granddaughter just a few minutes ago, and I thought to myself, I, I do need to have more uh, awareness <laughs> for these poor mothers that are trying to listen to me preach long sermons and hold squirming three-year-olds. And so, uh, but let's ask the Lord to touch us here this morning. Lord, I'm thankful, God, again for your, your spirit, your word. And Lord, I pray, God, that before we walk out of this place, that God, that you would have ministered and touched, Lord, the hearts and the lives and the minds, God, of your church. We know, God, that we live in days, Lord, again, a lot of pressure, a lot of challenge. Lord, some of that is because of the times that we're in. But I pray, God, today that there be something that would rise up inside of our hearts and spirits that would cause us to desire to do your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 You may be seated. When trials come your way. Uh, Psalm 119, I have um, alluded to some of that here. Um, in the last several days and weeks, we're not certain who wrote this psalm. Um, I really have a strong leaning toward that it probably was a uh, probably was Ezra, uh, but we're not certain of that. Uh, David wrote seventy five of the psalms, and there are uh, very much a clarity that whenever you look at those psalms, that you can find indicators as to what specifically was taking place in the life of David during that particular time. Now, again, because of the uncertainty of who wrote Psalm 119, I thank God that it is in the Word. Uh, But let's just this morning 
for this thought, let's, let's consider that, that maybe it was David that wrote this psalm. You, you can look, and there's clues here in uh, Psalm 119 about David's life and about how that uh, very well could be that he was living in a place where that he was under pressure. Look at verse 22 and 23. He knew what persecution was like. Uh, verse 61 and verse 69, he had uh, suffered under the hands of a, a very uh, crazy man. That was, that was Saul, the man that was trying to literally rip his life uh, from him. And then in verses 6 and verse uh, 31, he, he knew what it was like to have a faith that would sometimes stagger at the place where that when the pressure got to him, that, that he felt like, Lord, where is my faith at? And I think that if you are honest with yourselves, that all of you and certainly myself included have been in those moments where that we wondered because of the, uh, the, the outer external pressures of life, that you say, God, where are you at? in the middle of this and one of the key things that we find in the book of Job is the fact that it appears that there are times in trouble that God is silent, that he just goes like he, he doesn't speak. And we have his word to uh, uh, speak to us during those moments of time, but, but there are times where it feels like that God uh, is silent. Verse 17, he knew what... Uh, deprivation and fear was like. In verse 19, he, he makes the uh, statement that there has been loneliness that has come into his life uh, there. And then in verse 20, he knew or knows what the agony of abandonment is, whether that is from a, a person that he is related to or whether uh, it is God literally or even the people from the house of God, but I would just reaffirm to you here this morning in this sanctuary that God knows exactly where you're at on this particular day, this particular year. He knows what the temperature is outside. He's no, he knows what's going on across the world, but he also is in a place where he knows what's going on in your life right now at this moment. And nothing catches God off guard. There's not a single thing in your life where that God is caught off guard by. And, and so it is, these trials of life that, that, that whoever, whether it's Ezra or whether it's David that wrote uh, these words here, he, he says that there are times where that saints can fall in to places where that they begin to wonder and they feel an alienation from God. They feel, uh, the NIV puts it like this, says that, that he has become a stranger in the earth. But, but there's other times where that not only do you feel the alienation, but you, you understand that there's some slander that is involved in that. And slander, uh, again, David knew about wagging tongues. He knew about the wagging tongues from those within the nation of Israel, and he knew about the wagging tongues from that wild bunch of Philistines and the Moabites and all the other ites that was around him at that moment. But, but not just being alienated and, and not just 
being slandered, but he also knows what it's like to feel the humiliation of that. Verse 25, his soul is literally clinging uh, to the dust there. And then he knows what verse or what sorrow is like because in verse 28, the Bible says there that my soul melts with sorrow. Have you ever been in that place where that the trials came from whatever reason, whether it was a, a financial calamity or whether it was a a, uh, a family situation that I, I know all our families here are absolutely perfect and there, there's never any marital strife or there's never any family conflict. I know I'm not preaching to y'all, I'm preaching to the, the live stream. I'm I'm preaching to everybody that's outside of here. I know that that none of us here ever has any of those kinds of of challenges. I know none of us ever have any financial difficulties. I know that that you don't ever have job pressures or anything. So again, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to those that are outside, out there in radio land, as they used to say. However, I have a feeling that probably all of us here today, if we're honest, we can say I've experienced those things in our lives. And so so where you say is the equipping process? Well, uh, I'm going to get to that because in verses 17 through 20, uh, here's what we find that's drawn out here, that there are some advantages uh, to you having a relationship with the Word of God. Now, I mentioned last Sunday when I was preaching and I talked about how that the Word of God has a cleansing effect on us. Where can a young man go? How is he going to cleanse his way? By getting the Word in his heart. I, I mentioned the fact about how that, that not only does the Word cleanse us, but the Word will control us if we will allow that to do that. But th- there's some things here that's pointed out here in this uh, section of these uh, eight verses here that uh, you find. And I won't go through all eight of them here uh, this morning. But, but notice there in verse 17, the Bible says there, deal bountifully with thy servant that I may live and keep thy word. There, there are some advantages to us keeping the word of God. The first thing that you can see here uh, in this text is that it will add life to you. You, you see it there. He, he writes, deal bountifully with me. Deal abundantly with me. Deal copiously with me. Deal generously with me. Why? So that I can live. Because I know this, I know that if you deal with me in the way that you so desire, that there is something that begins to bring an abundance and a growth to my life so that I can live with the goal of your entire existence is saying that I'm going to submit myself to the word of the Lord. If we're going to keep the word, then we're going to have to study the word. I don't mean just read it, but I mean to study it. To study that word. And uh, Brother uh, Wells got off into something here this morning that there's just not enough time. And last Sunday, whenever I was teaching the adult class, and 
And there was not, it's not, a, it's not a mistake that the Lord was at Caesarea Philippi whenever he said, I'm going to tell you something, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell are not going to, they're not, they're not going to prevail against it because literally as Brother uh, Wells brought it out, that, that was at that place geographically speaking that those Jews, they understood that, that this right here is the point where devils traffic in and out and the Lord was basically walking up to the mouth of one of those caves and he was saying, I'm going to tell you this, I'm going to build my church right here at the mouth of hell. He would echo that whenever he got to Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3 because he said about two of those places, he said one of them's turned into the synagogue of Satan and the other one there is a church that is sitting at the seat of Satan. I want to tell you, I'm not worried about the church at large. The church is going to live and it's going to go and it's going to move forward. There is power that's in the church. I'm not worried so much about the church at large. It's just sometimes I'm worried about the individuals that are in that church. And, And study brings that out, those geographical locations. And the Lord comes out. So I'm making a point here to say that you can't just give yourself uh, just to reading the Word of God, but you've got to give yourself to studying the Word of God. What what does that look like? Psalm 119, 127, Therefore, I love thy commandments above gold, yea, above fine gold. Do we love the commandments? Do we love the laws? Do we love the statutes and do we love the word of God more than what it is just represented here right now and I know I got some medical folks here in this congregation here this morning but whenever you were in whatever you're doing and they told you in your anatomy and physiology class you're going to have to memorize the Krebs cycle and then whenever it's all said and done there's a connection with that and you got to figure out the, the alkalosis and the acidosis I'm not speaking in tongues right now while I'm saying that to y'all Okay, but but here's the deal: is is like we 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 don't think anything about a professor or an instructor saying you got to memorize that. But when a preacher comes along and starts telling you that you better take this book more seriously than you take a college textbook or that you take any kind of training on your job, why is that? It's because this thing right here is a war manual. It's something inside that gives you insight that says, you know what, whenever I'm out there facing obstacles and I'm out there facing dilemmas of life it's going to be the word of God that's going to pour over inside of my heart and inside of my life here's what Jesus said he said go ye into all the world and preach the gospel he didn't say build soup kitchens he didn't say pass out clothes he didn't say meet the, the, the human relief that people need he said preach the gospel he said because by preaching the gospel then a society will reform itself. And so here it is that you start looking at this matter of gold. Gold this is temporary. It's earthly. It's passing. What the Word brings into my life is eternal. And that's why I saw that the psalmist, that he, he looks at that and he says, deal bountifully with thy servant. Now here's where the equipping process starts. It's uh, school has started back. 
And I, I started thinking, I'm like, you, you, you are, you may not be, you may have some mental illness in your, you may be dealing with some stuff. Because I went into Walmart and I walked by those marble notebooks. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Those things were 50 cents. The limit is 12. I looked around. I got 12 of them. And I looked around a little more and I, pens on sale. So I got some pens and I went and I put them where my stacks. I thought, man, you got a problem. But I think I might have borderline hoarder tendencies. But 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 here's what I here's a here's a question I'm gonna ask you. What if you went to Walmart and bought you one of those fifty cent notebooks and for the next year you took a Naves topical Bible and you took a treasury of scripture knowledge and you took a Thompson chain reference Bible and for the next year while your little old kids are slaving there at a middle school or a high school or a college classroom and you sat down and you started thinking I'm going to devote to the subject of prayer or I'm going to devote to the subject of church or I'm going to devote to the subject of holiness. What would happen to you in a year's time if you spent that amount of time? That, that's what's coming across here. He says, look, he said, I want you to deal bountifully with thy servant. Why? that I may live and keep thy word. But here's the thing. If you're going to keep the word, you've got to know the word. And so let me help you with this. What if you took Psalm 119 and you took one color and you said, okay, this is God's work. And then you took another color and you said, okay, this is my work. So God's work is in orange and my work is going to be in blue. And so just for the sake of illustrating here, verse 17, deal bountifully with thy servant. That's in orange. Uh, verse 18, open thou mine eyes. That's in orange. Verse 19, hide not thy commandments from me. That's in orange. Verse 21, thou hast rebuked the proud that are cursed. That's in orange. Verse 22, remove from me reproach and contempt. That's in orange. And then verse 24, thy testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. That is in orange. That's God's work. And so then you go back through those verses and you say, okay, so what's my work? Well, my work's underlined in blue. Verse 17, that I may live and keep thy word. Verse 18, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Verse 19, I am a stranger in the earth. That's my work. Verse 19, my, or verse 20, my soul breaketh for the longing that it hath unto thy judgments at all times. Look at verse 22 at the end. For I have kept thy testimonies. Look at verse 23. Thy servant did meditate in thy statutes. And then when you do that to that entire chapter, here's what happens. You start looking through that. You got one color that God's working. You got another color that the Lord is working. In that, or that you're, the God's at work and then you're at work. I'm going to tell you, if you start looking at the word of God in that way, it will 
will transform the way you think. It will transform the way you walk. And then the next time you walk in this house, you'll start saying, man, I, I, want, I want Brother Patterson, I want Brother Harrelson, I want them to preach to me. And it will be more than just coming in here and getting some little emotional buzz and getting some little part to say, it's, that's going to help me to walk for the rest of the week. I want a church that's word-driven. I want a church where we walk in here and we say we are serious about the Word of God. You say you preach too much and you teach too much and you pray too much. No, I don't. Not at all because Acts chapter 6 and verse 4 tells us that the priority of that early church was prayer and ministry of the Word. I'm just going to tell you something here today. There is authority that comes into your life and into your spirit when you've got a head and a soul that is filled up with the word. When it gets filled up with the word, there's something that begins to work and begins to flow in that particular matter. And, and yet so it is. Look there at, at the second advantage. It, it, it will, verse 18 there, look at what the psalmist writes. He says, open thou mine eyes that I may behold thy wondrous things out of thy law. If it gives life, you see that in verse 17, that I may live. And then look at verse 18. He says that I may behold. If, if verse 17 brings life to us, then verse 18 brings light to us. That there is something about it that you start saying that, man, I'm living in dark days. And, and there's times where it seems like the moments in our walk with God, can it can seemingly go dark. That's what happened to Abraham there in Genesis chapter 15. Abraham, the Bible says a horror of God great darkness fell on him. Exodus chapter 20, here's what Moses found himself in. He found himself in a place of darkness. Elijah in 1 Kings 19 was in the darkness of depression and even in Mark chapter 14, the Lord had to endure the darkness of Gethsemane. But I'm going to tell you what can turn the light on. David calls out, open my eyes. That is a great prayer that every Every one of us here today that we ought to pray here in this sanctuary. Lord, open up my eyes. Help me to see through the fog of war. Help me to see through the deception. Help me to be able to pick up on truth so that whenever I'm walking out there in the hallways of this world that there is an awareness that helps me to be able to see. Psalm 119 and verse 11, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. But I'm going to tell you now, you start seeing the fact that if it brings life, then it adds light. Verse 98, opened eyes makes us wiser than our enemies. It opens our eyes and allows the word to always to be with us. Look at verse 99. It says it opens our eyes to give us more understanding than our teachers. I pray for that. I'm like, oh Lord, if you if your word says this, then Brother Griffin, probably the most profound Bible teacher I've ever had in my life, your word says it right here. That Lord, you can let my eye 
wise, have more understanding than my teacher. I'm going to tell you, as many times as Brother Griffin set my soul on fire in a Bible college classroom, there is something about it like, Lord, help me to get this word in my heart so that whenever I get around other people, then I can set their lives on fire, not with charisma, not with a program, not with a plan, but with the word of God so that whenever they walk out of that, they're like, wow, my eyes are open. Why is that? It's because of the word of God. Look at verse 99 again. Open eyes causes the testimonies of the Lord to be our meditation. Look at 105. Opened eyes, a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Look at 130. Opened eyes gives understanding to the simple. And whenever you begin to pray that and you began to ask the Lord, Lord, let these things come alive in my life and in my spirit. I'm going to tell you, prayer goes a long way toward awakening our soul to what God's true purpose is. Look at the prayer request in the segment of this psalm that I read to you here this morning. Look at verse 17. Deal bountifully with thy servant that I may live and keep your word. Verse 18, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Verse 19, Lord, please don't hide your commandments from me. Verse 22, take away from me scorn and contempt. You see what happens whenever you start praying scripture? That when you start praying the word of God, then there's things that begins to take off in your life and in your spirit. And if you want real life, a real and real light in your life. It's the wondrous law that can do that. But look there at verse 19. The word also adds something else uh, to our lives. Here's what he says. He says, I am a stranger in the earth. Hide not thy commandments from me. And what he's, what he's getting at is, is, is he says that the ESV makes it uh, this says it this way, that, that he's become a sojourner. He's become a traveler here in the earth. And, and the psalmist feels like he said, I, I've become an alien because of what I stand for. You ever felt like that? You ever feel like sometimes even among your own family that you're like, man, I'm, I'm an alien. Why, why is that? It's because the word has somehow reoriented your thinking in a way and has caused you to say, I do live differently. Why is that? It's because the word is so washed through my mind and my spirit. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. What's he done? He's renewed your mind. And whenever you get out there, all of a sudden, don't think that, man, I, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm the one that's thinking strange. Don't think that. If you've got a word foundation in your life, you're not the one that's crazy. It's those people out there that's crazy and they're trying to speak things into your heart and into your life. You deal with that on a regular basis. Why is that? It's because the fact of the matter is this, is that they're speaking something totally, totally, opposite and uh, someone asks you some questions are you so entrenched with the word that it's called strangers around you 
to think, man, they're a little odd in the way they think. They believe that Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the So you're telling me that Jesus is the only way that we can be saved? Well, what about all these other people? Listen to me. All you got to do is look at the rich young ruler. Rich young ruler came to the Lord. He was a good man. He was a moral man. He said, all this stuff I have done from ever since I was born, and yet the Lord looked at him and said, you know what? If you're going to fall on that idea that you've been involved in goodness and that you've, you've been in the soup kitchen and you volunteered at the hospital and, and you give some folks some money here and there, he said, know this. He said, if you're going to work on your own goodness, he said, you hadn't done nearly enough. You take everything you sold and you go give it to the poor. What did that good man say? Or what does the Bible say? That said that this good man, he walked away. He was sorrowful of heart. Why was that? It's because the gospel is exclusive. And you say, oh man, you're so prejudiced. You're so, no, I'm just telling you what the Bible says. The Bible says, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life. And so whenever you wake up in the middle of the night, let everybody else take his name in vain. But when you wake up in the middle of the night and fear has got a hold of your heart and you just utter that name almost in a whisper, Jesus, and that person, the Lord Jesus Christ, and his spirit fills up your room, you can depend on that because he's exclusive. And yet here's our day. Our day wants to come along and, and cause people to get muddled in their minds and in their hearts about how exclusive it is. And so David, he comes along. Are, are people convicted by the way that you live your life? Do they see a vast difference in the way that you're living, the way you're talking, and the way you're practicing versus the condition of the world? The world's going to treat you like an alien. You say, how do you know that? Because the Lord told me. You say, did he really tell you? Oh, he did. He did tell me. John 15, verse 19. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. And if they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. And if they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. Hear me today. There is a fellowship that few discover in this world. It is a fellowship of the blood bought. It's a fellowship of the born again. It's a fellowship that believe in Jesus' name. It is a fellowship that knows about a pleading and a dying and Savior, but it's also a fellowship that knows about the authority of what God has placed in our hearts and in our lives. And so I quickly get to the last one, and it's this in verse 20. The word adds life, adds light, it adds fellowship. And now look at what verse 20 says. It says, My soul breaketh for the longing that it hath unto thy judgments at all times. And so the last thing, just in these, these verses, is what, is the, what does the Bible do? It brings desire. It brings hunger. It brings 
It brings something about this part that just says, Lord, I'm, I'm, I crave you. I crave your word. I crave, even though I don't really know how to pray. I'm, I'm, I want to know how to pray. I want to know what pure worship is like. I want to know what a life of holiness is like. What causes that? The word of God. And the more the word draws you in, then the more it will start drawing into that matter of desire and work and spirit. One man said it like this. Sister Regina, if you could come to the piano. It said the desires of gracious men after holiness, they're intense. They cause a wearing of heart, a straining of the mind till it feels ready to snap with the heavenly pull. When I read that quote, I started thinking about, and I mentioned this morning the Krebs cycle. And uh, for those of you who don't know about that, it, it really can affect a patient's body whenever they're in an intensive care unit and you're trying to figure out what all is going on with that. But I can remember uh, years ago, I was trying to get figure out the ins and outs and ups and downs of that. That in my mind, there, there was a strain. Like, help. And I, would, I prayed. Lord, please help me figure this out because I didn't want to fail the test. But I want to translate that. I want to pull that 30 plus years now out of the past. And now, it's there are times where I read things in the Word of God and I sit there and I look at an open Bible. And this is the part, Brother Wales, you're right. You can't get in a hurry. You can't get in a hurry. And you start mulling it over. Okay, Lord, your word says this in this place. And it says something over here. And they seem to contradict each other. But since there are no contradictions in the word, Lord, you've got an answer. Help, help me to see. What, what you're getting at and what you're talking about. And it's that, it's that musing. It's that meditation. It's thinking it through. And there are some people that they spend more time and they'll look at their 401k and wherever it's invested at most of them have multiple plans and you can put it in group A, B, C, D, E or you can diversify and there are people that sit there sometimes for hours looking at the trends looking at how they performed in the past and they're spending more time trying to figure out a 401k when money is going to pass away and this word is eternal. I haven't done this in a while, but I want us to stand here this morning. And what we're going to do is I want you to take your Bible in your hands. This came from a conversation that <clears throat> uh, Justin and I were having just a few days ago. 
They're talking about the persecuted church, 20 to 40,000 people, believers. They're hidden out in North Korea, out in the periphery. They would love to, to have, most of us have got multiple Bibles. They, they, they would love to have a Bible like you have. And yet far too often our Bibles are neglected and they're dusty. They're not marked up. You just bring them to church. Oh, somebody will preach out of one or two verses and we'll be done and we'll go home. But I want you to walk into this altar area this morning with your, with your Bible. And we're going to pray. Because the school year has started. And so now I ask all you students in here. Because we all are students. What, what would happen to you between now and the time that school lets out in May? If you made a concentrated effort to dig into this book and say, Lord, down at the medical school, down at 84 East, those kids out there, I say kids, young men, young women, they are working their minds relentlessly because for them it's going to be a paycheck to practice medicine. What if we had the same intensity with our Bibles? transform your mind and transform your thinking let's talk to the Lord here this morning Lord I plead with you don't let me neglect Lord your word it's the words of life it's words God that somehow Lord can so reorient my spirit, God, when I get confused, I get out of sorts, Lord, your word, life, light, fellowship, desire, I ask you, Lord, this morning, Lord, these, Lord, these saints, these believers, God that are here in this sanctuary I'm asking you Lord to let your word Jesus so impress our minds and our spirits God that we don't just read it but we meditate on it we memorize it we copy it down we somehow Lord desire to know it more than anything else in our lives. I pray that today, Jesus, on this congregation. Lord, somehow, God, don't let us just hoard it to ourselves, God, but help us, Lord, the things that you put into our hearts and our minds. Help us, Jesus, to somehow, Lord, to share it, to scatter it. Lord, to plant seeds, God, in places that sometimes we're even unaware of. Help us, Lord, to do that today. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name.
Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Talk to a lot of pastors and a lot of sometimes even district officials around our, our nation. And there is a concern. And um, I was talking to one uh, district superintendent just within the last couple of weeks. And I, I said, pray, pray for me that I don't <laughs> turn into a cranky old man. And that can happen to you sometimes as you start getting a little older. But invariably, I, I would I would say probably hundreds of men are starting to express a concern about our biblical illiteracy in our in our churches. And it's almost like that the enemy would love his best to put us in a point where that we're in the dark ages. And I want us as a local church to do everything we can to push against that. And I realize it starts with with the pulpit. But if you're a Sunday school teacher, if you're a youth worker, if you're a parent, I'm just asking you here this morning, do everything you can to get the Word of God in people's lives that are associated with you. Now, to do that, you're going to have to know the Word of God. And I want us to make a commitment. And I I did sort of use school starting uh, to kind of help me. Do they even give homework these days? Uh, Do they, Sister Brandy? Okay. Apparently they still give homework these days, which is not bad. So I've given you some homework. Prayer at 530 tonight. Before you go, i got one more thing you need to see.